Hey, Luke. Hey, the best part about this is we haven't been talking for 30 minutes. I know, I know, and I haven't been drinking. We say this at every episode and nothing changes. Luke, tell me tell me about Patreon. Are you doing anything new on Patreon right I now, Luke? am. We're not supposed to talk about this yet. <laughs> but you're doing <laughs> you're doing things. There's gonna be a big push next month. Ooh, what's that gonna be? <laughs> But we're. I think we should tell everyone too soon. <laughs> you do. I mean, do you want? I know. No, no, no. Let no, me just say this. I let me just say this. Let me just. Let me just. I'm say this. Let me just. Let me just. Just. Just like one thing. You can see me, and I. And I. And I. I know that you can. So now I feel like I have an audience, but I can't see you. <laughs> so I can't tell when you're not paying attention and going to grab a book and then interrupting me after I. After I'm done with something. No, no, no. I have my wireless AirPods, so I can go get books and still hear you. We have an exclusive uh, merchandise item only available to our patrons ooh it's not we're not doing a big push on the show yet it's a beta test for a bigger push but there's an exclusive item up there and all i'll say is i said a free one of it to father john nepple because i just thought he would love it i'm also scared he's gonna hate it and like be horrified by it well let me ask you is it kind of go either way is it uh is it camping gear no then I don't think he's going to like it because I think when I think of Father John Nepal, all I think of is the priesthood and camping. And oh, and who? Von Balthasar. Re- Old re- Ball. Repeat that one more time. Hans is Von Balthasar. So, is that who we're talking about? Mm, 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 interesting. Mm, mm. Anyway, so interesting yeah. About it? So, yeah, I'm just saying now would be a good time. There's, there's some. I'm actually like it's kind of all coming together. After we're actually getting very excited. This has been like <laughs> so hard. Well, what's so funny because like I think I probably started doing some of this market research what in the fall, like in August, oh yeah, or September. So oh, yeah. this is somewhat. I had plans to do a whole slide deck for you and Katie. That didn't happen. Bless your heart. <laughs> I really did. I started. Uh, the, you know, September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> life, life. <laughs> Tell you what, man. It, it it is the word is out at church at St. Anthony's that I'm no longer going to be working there in a couple of weeks. Uh-oh. Actually, as of this recording, April 25th, which is a Tuesday, this will be my first day not working for the church in seven. <laughs> and it's bizarre because people are coming up to me and saying either "I'm so sorry" or "Congratulations." Very nice, very nice thing. But uh, the church decided to throw me and you know the seminarian who's been there for one year a party. <laughs> Uh, oh my God. Bo- I mean, it's fine. It's fine. That is the okay. God bless whoever that oh, seminarian is, particularly if he's a Catching Foxes fan. That is the most ch- church thing ever. Yeah, we're just you know we're saying goodbye to the guy who's been I here mean, for years. He did and the- give over his entire life to the church for a year. So fair point. Yeah, and he is going to make an incredible priest, and he kind of looks like me to the point where I jokingly said today we should buy T-shirts for the bar that says. I'm not John Clark. I'm not Michael Gormley. And we should wear them. And he, is, he just lit up and he was like, yes, I will make these shirts. Because he kind of looks like me and I kind of look like There's me. always one. <laughs> There's dozens. When I was in Cincinnati at that mega mm-hmm. church going to that conference. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the? Yep. The girl, oh, oh I wasn't you look there, like my friend. I wasn't there for that. I don't remember why because I could have spent any. I could have spent all money on anything I wanted while I was there. So I really should have just bought a ticket and gone. We could have. Hung, I don't you know. were busy watching old episodes of Game of Thrones. Yeah, what was I doing? No, you were watching. You stayed in your apartment and you watched Game of Thrones. No, season seven. No, no. Do you know what it was? What? I think I. I think I watched the MCU stuff because we were 
Were we doing? No, we watched. We watched season seven and eight. No, and eight wasn't finished. No, we, we watched like a couple episodes. What was they? Okay, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, but Sorry. then we met up for lunch right after that happened. Oh my gosh, my friend looks just like you, and I go bring him over here. Let's take the photo. <laughs> this always happens. Well, and you'd be mad because it'd always be this fat guy with a beard, and I'm like, Gilmore, you're not as big as that guy. Relax. <sighs> you then you beat yourself so, up that I have to carry you and blah 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 blah. The funny story is. So today, John Clark says to me, we, we finished our director's meeting, and he goes, hey, uh, just want to let you know, I was listening to Catching Foxes the other day. Oh, good. So he will drive. hear you complain about him having a party yeah, same day yeah. as you. Yeah. And uh, he goes, and a buddy of mine called me up like, dude, Gomer's quitting. How are you holding up? And he's like, I'm leaving permanently in three days. I've been here for a year. I'll be fine. But uh, yeah, so we laughed about that. But yeah, it's going to be wild, man. And so people are starting to find out that I'm leaving and it's it's I'm in that surreal holding pattern where mm-hmm. you don't have like you you can't do new things but I still have to make decisions about stuff like I had this crazy youth ministry come out where a lady said that someone uh, took the lord's name in vain and cursed at her son did he deserve it and then there was all these that no <laughs> yes but it didn't happen. But yes, the kid did. <laughs> all these core members were around him. Was like, number one, that didn't happen. Number two, the mother has no idea how rotten the kid is. Why? And I'm like, oh no, it's beautiful. Do you think, people, like, did Boomer parents just forget how much they lied when they were teenagers? Yes, I yes. lied Boomers all the time. And Gen Xers. And my dad and used to Gen act Xers. like it was the most like. My dad would be like, "How could you? How could you?" And I'm like, "What? <laughs> do you not remember yeah. being a t- everyone lies? I'm lying to you so right I do now." Want to say, I th- <laughs> I'm living one right now. <laughs> I do want to say, in the Gormley family, we have a motto, and the motto is "Suns out, guns out." Matata, no, <laughs> suns out, guns out. No, the motto is. Tell me that you're watching the oh, like F and Umar Rockets game. Tell me you're watching the F and Rockets game. <laughs> you're thinking of my brother's apartment <laughs> complex, Luke. I'm going to mock you for spelling that wrong. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about the words G E D. Come on, you misspelled <laughs> no, that. Uh, no, I. Sorry, I just kidding, kidding. I had to, um, I'd have a joke about each of your brothers and a personal interaction with them. So, yeah, yeah, we'll pretend like you said it. I did. It was, it was what it was. But from. No, damn it. Yeah, no, great. <laughs> ah, inside jokes are great. The people love it. Sorry. Shit, now you ADHD'd me. <laughs> now I care. What I was gonna say it was gonna be so yes! funny. No, okay. no. In the growing family, we have a motto: the worst sin you can ever commit in our house is a lie. <laughs> oh, done. I got it out. My brain. My brain. My sweet, sweet brain. Oh, gosh. That literally hurt oh my, my head trying to find the rabbit trail. I'm like, rewind, rewind. Nope, not there yet. Not there yet. So I was many listening to this I was listening to it like, a, like an episode of ours. It was from fairly recently. And I was like, holy crap, you guys. Just stay on target here. Please. I will never forget when J.D. Flynn called me on the phone. He sent me a text. He's like, can I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, yeah, sure. Celebrity chef J.D. Flynn. And so he calls me up and he's like, Hey, man, I just want to say I listened to the last episode of Catching Foxes. And I go, oh, okay. And then I get really nervous and <laughs> that's, excited because I'm waiting for what they're going to say. Multiple goes, times whenever he's right. done this to us. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, I just want you to know, you sound like me three years ago. You need to go to a doctor and see if ADHD medicine is right. And I was like, is this a Cialis commercial? <laughs> like, you're literally reading. Are you trying to hold is my hand right while in a bathtub? <laughs> in the forest? So, anywho, he, uh, he, he said that, and I was like, what are you talking about? And then that was when we got my daughter diagnosed with ADHD, and the, the pediatrician goes, you know, they say 50% of the time it's from one or both of the parents. So, do either of you have ADHD? My, 
And I went, no. And as I said, no, my wife goes, yeah, my husband. And I was like, what? I don't. <gasps> like your whole life becomes recontextualized in a single moment. We'd never do anything uh, impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was like, my head was always, but ADHD means you're, you can't sit down and do your schoolwork. You're squirrely. And then you find out, no, there are many, many mm-hmm. variants. Many, many, many beautiful, berries. scary berries. Yeah, there truly are. It's really, it's really wild. Before we pivot, see what I did there. <laughs> anything else about the job, or just anything that kind of just because it, it is weird. You're, you know, you're not a dead man. I'm walking. It's, it's a very reflective period. Yeah. I have, I have found, and it's like if I'm gonna f- just encourage you as someone who's been through this many a time. <laughs> the two times that I remember the most, the most powerful times that I left was when I left. Well, actually. Gosh, all of them have kind of been like when I, you know, it really hit me like when, when I left California and I, and I said goodbye to all the dorm kids and they started to cry that I started to cry. That was pretty. Powerful. So like just like and then in Idaho, they threw a goodbye party for me. Actually, a couple that were just really, really moving. One was a surprise that like really, truly just like meant the world to me. And then when I left the archdiocese, there was a surprise party as as well. And a lot of just great um, conversations. And Sarah Rogers, she wrote on the board, I think, I think I talked about this last week, goodbye, loser, on my last day yeah. in, in big letters. Yeah. But uh, like, I just encourage you to soak it in. Try to reflect on your time there and the people and what they have meant to you and really, really try to um, receive what people are sharing with you. So what you're saying is, step one, buy a boombox or a sufficiently large Bluetooth speaker. Step two, walk through the hallways, pausing at all of my coworkers that I liked doorway while they're in their office with Good Riddance Time of Your Life by Green Day play, <laughs> and then just stare forlorningly at them for no more than five seconds, because I don't know if you know this, Luke, but I have a lot of employees. You do. <laughs> <laughs> who's going oh, to spend oh. half a day telling us about 401ks? <laughs> And the fire movement. <laughs> Glad oh, we man, stuck I'm with that. To... <laughs> yeah. Well, Shannon, you're the only one around besides our kids, and they're too young and dumb to have a 403B or <laughs> This means me and Shannon are going to have to sit there and just listen to so much, aren't we? So, so very much. much. So much anti- I, I, Okay, everyone, I'm calling it right now. Gomer's going to go through an anti-war period again. Yeah, you know what? Probably. I've been flirting <laughs> with it. I, I was dusting off the old books, and I was like, you got to have a little oh, bit more man. time. America is an attention deficit democracy. We forget every people we bomb. <laughs> oh, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is. <laughs> this is going to go inside with like when you oh, were in Austin man. for a bit, and when you tried to do lay evangelists on your own for a bit, it was when like I think we were forty minutes into a call, and I'm like, Gomer's is like dropping these names. I just don't know who they are, and I checked out twenty minutes ago. <laughs> so get ready, everyone. <laughs> Can't wait. No, I I've learned. I've I've. You know, I've moved on. I'm very disciplined, but still, you know, <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. But um, I will say this. I will say this. As every day goes on, I am getting more and more excited about like it's it's not just about dwelling on the past kind of thing, mm-hmm. although my heart will be broken. And I know this because I see it in a lot of men that they have friendships of utility, mm-hmm. which is it's still real friendship, but. It disappears the moment that common ground thing disappears. Yep, it's the worst. I mean, I, I think of all the people on my side of the building. So we have two buildings. One's in the school. 
and then the other one is in the normal parish offices and i'm in the normal parish offices so the people in the school because they got to go through a school during the school day you know i don't interact with them as much so it's kind of harder to keep up that that daily relationship all the people that are my employees that i work with i mean like it is going to be so hard to even think of not seeing them every day Mm -hmm. and the newest employee that we have katie crawl like Katie Crawl and Leslie Bevilacqua. Leslie's been out with her her kiddo, who she named after me. Just kidding, but it's he's still named Michael, but not after me. That like I love, I just miss them, and I know I'm going to miss them greatly. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Also, what sucks is I can't tell inappropriate, funny jokes to people because there's no one across the hall except for little kids. Because I mean, I'm in a bedroom. My office is a bedroom, and it's right next to the kids' bedrooms. And they're not funny. No. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> they just, I can't yell at Father David when he walks by my office. <laughs> There's uh, a, that's reminding me of a Homer Simpson joke, but I can't recall which one. So <laughs> carry on. There's a Homer joke in there. Somewhere. Yeah. So I'm just sad that they won't be a part of, mm-hmm. and this is the beautiful thing about work. Like the one Agreed. thing about the fire movement that I found was so interesting was when people retire early, they all of a sudden feel so incredibly alone. And it's like, it's a good thing that the majority of people are not rich. Because, like, if I were rich, I would, I, would, I would be the worst rich person ever. Like, I would immediately descend into depravity or loneliness and isolation. And I, I am happy that my, the, the fact that I don't have a silver spoon means I have to be around these amazing people. I, I'm so privileged. Mm. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Now I'm going to be privileged to be around my kiddos and my wife. Ugh. Yeah, I know. And but your also, Luke. Also, my Luke. I get to be with my Lukey Duke. Mm-hmm. Lukey Duke! Mm-hmm. Lukey Duke! Mm-hmm. Very excited. Very borderline aroused, but that's a different. So, uh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm very pumped for you. So, I, I think it's going to be good. So, can I tell you something funny that I did in preparation for quitting before I quit, like maybe a month before I quit? You rage against the machine? No. Uh, so, I started going through, like, because, you know, you have these policies of, you like your IT policy, like documents created on your work, mm-hmm. you know, but also with the age of everything syncs all the time, like I have files everywhere. So I started going through and culling my files and like, oh, okay. So there was one day where I had to wait till after work and I had gigabytes worth of files that I had created that, that would serve both, but that I was transferring over in my Google account and stuff like that. And I'm just like, all of these, all of these, like, like there is at least 50 half started book <laughs> that's actually At shockingly low oh wait 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 wait! you mean books that you've tried to write yes <laughs> yeah i was like i feel like you've probably had to stop you've okay i thought you meant books at yeah. first that you had read you mean that's amazing yeah yeah so transferring all of that transferring you know all these things and uh, that i realized and then cleaning up my computer i was waiting for the it guys to be like uh mr gorman is your computer okay you've been deleting a lot of stuff and i'm like yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just so it doesn't look suspicious, I will not clear my browser history. Just because, so, like, every time you do big moves in IT, I'm sure like people are like, I'm sure there's a red flag there somewhere. And the red flag was, yes, I'm quitting, and I don't want anyone to know, but I still need to get prepared for that. So mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to prepare myself ahead of time so that my last week next week I can be with the people, do all that. That's actually a genius move genius move that's a very good move problem is i have nowhere to put my book my bookshelves are all full <laughs> i've confiscated a dollhouse made out of a bookshelf that my my wife made for my daughters 
for their Barbies that they no longer play with. And that is now holding my books as well, and it's just no good. I was like, I almost made funny, but then I did it. You're welcome. Aw, look, you're growing as a person. Mm-hmm. I may be growing in size. Sorry, I may be shrinking in size, but growing in heart. Ah, uh, shrinking in size, growing in size. Mm. Your pants. Catching foxes. <laughs> I had to sneak that one in there. Luke, I'm excited to hear you and your and what you have to contribute to this conversation. Am I supposed to transition to the next topic? Am I supposed to provide thoughts on what your thing? What am I doing here? Uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on my things? <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> I, I thought you would. <laughs> I, I need to understand that I've w- had to watch so many effing Disney films that like if I have like a Disney quote that just comes to my mind, I'll say it in the way the character, like I just said plenty like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. What do you know about my dreams, Gaston? Plenty. So you're welcome. Hey, and thank you. All right. Uh, no, I think it's very good that you're going to take last, your last week there to spend time with people. I think you're going to be shocked at how much you're going to miss certain people. You're going to have to be very proactive about maintaining those relationships, particularly that a few of them have definitely branched out into your personal life and i imagine like all of them feel personal to you so i would really encourage you to be proactive in maintaining those because it does take work now because you don't have a common shared space that you are occupying every day as a group and then also i think that you need to have some type of a ceremony for yourself probably for your family as well because i doubt you listen to the pat lanchoni thing that i told you to pay attention to you need to market you need to have an actual thing that you do for yourself whether that just be a mass with your family a mass by yourself one morning you need to mark the end of your time at saint anthony and particularly your career in parish based ministry and then you need to mark the beginning of this new phase of your career i think those are two what if i had a ritual of celebration from the Patrick Lencioni thing, for or on my birthday, May 25th. That'd be good. What if I actually finally got you that book of poems or whatever? What if you flew your ace down and celebrated my birthday with me? Why? Because the next day, my wife and kids are leaving for a week to go to St. Louis. Uh, Dum, 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 dum. Yes. Pick them old records off the shelf. Something, 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 Ooh. something. But I do have to fly to Minneapolis, St. Paul, on May 30th. So uh, other than that, no, I think my family 26th, 27th, 28th, come on. I think my family's getting on the 29th. And then I did schedule to go on Miss Ruby's show on Twitch, the 26th, out in Indianapolis. You're going to go to her house? Yeah, I was going to go to her house to be on the oh, show. What that's if you, awesome. What day does your family leave? The 26th. Mm, okay, so that would. And been let okay. me tell you, I'm not gonna leave. Do, do you do you know what it's like to have a precious precious house all to yourself? It's so beautiful. You know. Okay. For, yes, you do. <laughs> and I apologize for bringing this up like, for a period of time. No. Now. Oh, painfully. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, with I uh, <laughs> oh okay. gosh, where do I go from Did here? Did you see my Instagram post? No, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I don't. Uh, you literally just added me last last week. I didn't. Yes, you did on yours. Uh oh. <laughs> was it? Uh oh. <laughs> I don't. Did my wife do it? Did, no. Uh, there's a picture of you with nuns. None of none of my business. No. I'm just kidding. No, I do have an Instagram. AMD Gomer. I don't remember doing anything last week on it. It's I mean, been like last week, week being a month. Who knows? 
Okay, fair enough. ADHD time. Yeah, everything is nebulous and rounded to the nearest quintessimal. Uh, Kate, please organize everything. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> oh, oh, you oh, son yeah. of a bitch. Everly. Son- <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I don't, I don't know if I just tell. Oh, okay, I just will. So, didn't have a winter jacket for her because it's been so nice. And I had to do a lot of laundry. And so she, her clothes were rather unlimited, and it was kind of warm outside. So instead of being able to have her in shorts, I was like, holy crap, you need pants. Your pants don't fit besides these nice pants I bought from some boutique thing. And all I have is this shirt that doesn't match and this zip-up hoodie and a jean jacket. <laughs> and so she just looked like, hey, whoever dressed me doesn't know what they're doing. And I felt so such shame. Like Emily was so mad at me when she saw that picture. She was just like, "What is wrong with you?" And then I put the picture on Instagram to uh, chop suey by um, System of a Down because I felt it. I sounded chaotic. So there we go. <laughs> That's that. Uh, do you like how we don't, don't talk about things, but instead we just keep them vaguely hidden? <laughs> but instead, well, yeah, it is. It's like it's we, we can't hide things, so we'll just find a way around it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right anything else nope that's it all right i think this topic is very cool do we have time to talk about this at let me find out we might need to just do it come back later in like 30 minutes to an hour 30 minutes six and a half hours later okay every damn time i just <laughs> listen it's not my fault that i saw Wayne's World when I was nine. And it's ingrained. Ingrained in my brain. Everyone, we're back. Thank you for all of our listeners for being here, listeners. All nine of you from Patreon for joining us as we discuss the last half of this episode. So I came across a video by a man by the name of Dr. Russell Barkley. We've talked about him before. He is a psychologist or something. I don't know. But he specializes primarily in ADHD stuff. So I've after my di- after my diagnosis, I did a really big deep dive to a lot of his stuff. It's very, very good. Gomer, you have as as well, and we talked yep. about it on this podcast. And I came across a clip that I thought was very interesting that doesn't necessarily have a lot to do. I mean, it has everything to do with neurological diagnosis, but I think it also is just a great piece of parenting advice that I was tremendously moved by. Yeah. And so I thought it'd be good to talk about it on the show. Yeah, I love it. And for those of you who don't know Russell Barkley, he is considered to be the greatest expert and especially greatest communicator from the medical side to parents about especially working with kids. So I first encountered him when my kiddo's psychologist is like, for the love of God, watch this man's YouTube videos. And when you first watch them, like when you receive a diagnosis, especially a little bit later in life of your kid with ADHD, you will ball your eyes out because you realize like ADHD doesn't just mean your kid's hyperactive. It could mean any one of like 50 different or 15 different things, right? And so often don't diagnose our kids these things. So executive function disorder means your kid knows it, it's logged in their memory banks, but it physically can't go from that part of their memory to their prefrontal cortex where decisions are made. And so they literally will say to you, I don't know why I did that. And he talks about that. And I remember hearing him say in one of the big lectures, hearing him say, and parents, I know that your kids have done things that they deeply regret doing, and they don't even know why they did it. And I know you deeply regret the way you reacted to your kids. I'm like, ah. And he's like, I've talked to too many parents to know how much tears you've cried over 
what you've regret saying to them now that you know they have ADHD. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Because my kid will sit there and with tears in eyes being like, I don't know why I did it. I know you said not to do it. I know I shouldn't have done it. I don't know why I did it. And you're like, because you're a spoiled little brat. <laughs> if you were raised in the 90s, you'd be perfect like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, to the anger of boomers everywhere. Sorry, D and Aunt Wade. Now, let, yeah. <laughs> now let's watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and X-Men cartoon. <laughs> that'll teach you let me tell you about tgif there was a show called dinosaurs it was very funny it really was funny it was genius not the mama 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 if you go back and watch that as an adult the satire is unreal i know the fourth the fourth season has a 100 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> and i know a person who looks like the human version of the baby dinosaur. <laughs> like just today I was listening to them talk and I was like, you look like the baby. <laughs> That's Literally. Just today. So in this Dr. Bar- <laughs> in this Dr. Russell Barkley clip, uh, he's talking to a group of people and he's saying that basically dispelling the myth of engineer parenting. And by that, he means that if, if I do X, Y, and Z, my kid will, will do uh, this. And he's saying, and the clip that I saw that really got me was there are 400 genetic predispositions or things that are, Basically, there are tons of things that predict what kind of person your kid is going to be that have you have zero control over at all. A thing like ADHD can be part of that. And it really, really hit me because I've been thinking a lot about this because obviously I have a daughter and I think a lot of I've thought tremendously a lot with all, all, with all the stuff that's been going on about what kind of life do I want Everly to, to have. Um, Aaron and I have talked a lot about what type of life do we want to have for, for her. And he talks about how you know, you've heard things like a Mozart baby, things that you need to do to like help make sure that your kid is smart when they grow up, that they're you know hardworking and all this stuff. And he says, basically, you cannot engineer that. It is impossible. Your kid is going to be who they're going to be. You're more like a shepherd. And that, as a parent on a spiritual on a spiritual level as a human being rocked my world, parenting being viewed more as a shepherd than as a human being. And he brings up this very, is very interesting point from this book. I forget what it was called. I put it into the chat, but then we got rid of the chat. I think it was called the, shoot, I forgot um, what it was. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. The nurture assumption, the book. I think I think that, that it was something along those lines that basically, yeah, no, I wrote it down. Yeah, the most yeah. influential thing in your kid's life or like the most the, like one of the biggest factors is where your kid grows up and i think that is fascinating i want to, that's what i want to talk about is this idea of being an engineering parent as opposed to being a shepherd parent yeah it's great it's a great analogy because the engineer is like i get to tinker with every mm-hmm. individual piece portion atom of this thing called my child but the shepherd he says he's like i'm not bashing shepherds He's like, but you don't get to design the sheep the way the engineering you makes you responsible for everything, for everything that goes right. And he goes, and for everything that goes wrong. And he said, uh, this is why parents come to us with so much more guilt than ever before is we think we effed up no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And his point is shepherds are important. They get to defend the sheep, right? They, They raise the sheep. They pick what pasture is best for the sheep. But they don't design the sheep. They, they put them in the right environment or whatever environment so that the sheep can thrive. But that's where, you know, kind of the analogy breaks down. But he's like, there's 400 different character traits that align 
He's like, you have nothing to do with, with their genetics. Like, you can't design that. Mm-hmm. Until we invented CRISPR. But he's basically <laughs> saying, like, you can't, you can't pick that stuff out. He's like, shepherds are powerful, but they can't determine their kids. Well, and right. I, I think probably, uh, like, one thing that really hit me was, I remember doing this um, Lexio Divina one time during one of our encounter um, meetings way back when, when I worked at the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. I still can't believe there are people who thought that when I left the room and Luke from the Archdiocese came over, it was a different guest. That was amazing. <laughs> but when, when I worked at the Archdiocese, my buddy Matt Rickenmeyer, this um, wonderful insight about, we were reading um, one of the Gospels about how something along the line is like how the Christ has, like the sheep have to move. or I, f- I forget on what it was, but it's basically like how, how the shepherd interacts with his sheep. And Matt had this brilliant point about like, I don't know how many guys have spent time on a farm. I was like, oh, I have not. <laughs> and I think he said something like a sheep will like, and he may have been, been compared to cows. I don't really recall, but like it will eat itself to death if you don't I'm move it along. Mm. And how God like has to, we continually need to be moving or we can kind of like become absorbed with, with like, with where we are. And I think I kind of, the only thing I don't agree with what he said was, I think the, the, the analogy, there's a lot to be mined there. Okay, let me compare it to like what I had growing up. I think I very easily in a different school system could have school could have been really, really rough growing up. Really, really rough. I had a very difficult time learning how to read when I was younger. It basically took my mom read to me a ton. So let's give Patty her her uh, due right right Noise. there. And then, but also my first grade teacher, Mrs. Coleman, she took time after school for a while and i'm like i remember this and she basically taught me how to read and that was huge having a teacher who could take the time of course i think i think there are a lot of teachers that want to do that i'm not trying to say that there are uh, there are teachers who don't i don't know any teachers that, that wouldn't do that but i was at a school where that was possible and then um going to a school like oakwood one of the best in the state i mean top you it's pretty much always up in the top like top almost five or so in the state of Ohio and continually one of the best schools in the country. I cannot discount how important that was to my intellectual and human formation. I think I told the story on this podcast plenty of times, but like my, I'm a freshman year of college. I took an English course that was my senior year of high school, beat for beat, just condensed to a whole semester. And I had done all the work. So your homeboy didn't go and then got an F because the teacher took off 25 points every time that that you didn't go. So it became mathematically impossible (laughs) for him to pass, even though he had A's. Uh. (laughs) That really, anyway, it's not bitter, not bitter at all. My fault. It was, it was in the syllabus, but it like, that was huge because I was at a place where they were extremely high, high, Standards and you were pushed all, all, all the time. At the same time, I cannot discount both the influence that that my mom and my dad had. My mom really encouraged things that I found interesting: sports and movies, anything that kind of like from an intellectual standpoint, really like I found to be curious. She was so like she pushed me anywhere that I wanted to to go and my dad was very willing to go deep with with a um, a lot of spiritual things then i don't think you can also discount the influence of my aunt and my uncles particularly on my mom's side for uncle wade and aunt d and then for my and for my uncle chris and my aunt bev their their influence was huge and then you have like you have my grandparents like my grandfather which is one of the reasons why i wanted to even do this like the type of person i want to be is so like he modeled that so much over and over and over again and i 
I'm like, holy crap, I just want to surround Everly with good people. And what scares me about that right now is like we have a culture of not hanging out. I live thousands of miles away from a lot of my extended family. Christina's is, you know, is I'm a one hour away. I'm concerned that like no one is thinking about this. <laughs> it actually kind of um, frightens me a, a bit because I think this is to me, this is kind of like. Oh, this is a, this this unpacks everything. This like this unlocks everything that I want for Everly's right here is that I want to put her in good situations where I want the dynamics to be good as opposed to the things that she is actually doing. I would I would t- I would take her out of an extracurricular program. I would change schools for her to be in a place I thought was better for her as a person overall. Because I'm pretty confident she's super smart. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not. I'm honestly not worried about. It. I mean, because like I'm going to read with her. I'm going to, to. I'm going to. You know, discuss deep, deep things with. Her. I'm just going to do that because that is me. Aaron is going to do that because that is her. We're going to do that with her. We're going to like. I'm going to read a bunch. We're going to like. Sorry, I've been, I'm talking for a lot. So I, I will. I will stop here. But like, I'm not worried about what I'm worried about. What I'm going to be like modeling her, but not when it comes to that stuff. I'm more worried about is the school that she's at, is it filled with good people who are going to push her hard than like, is this the best possible school she could go to? Yeah, I mean, not to put too fine a point to it, and I know not everyone can do this, but this is why we chose to homeschool. And I know people, not everyone would hear this, but it, it was a really big deal for us because part of the reason why we wanted to homeschool was not because the Catholic school in our area was terrible. The Catholic school in our area is great. Like, it's, it's, it's nothing defective in terms of its Catholicism. My problem was the same thing that you get everywhere. It's like the problem is the peer group, not not even their friends, not even the people they choose to hang out with, but their peer group is what made me the most nervous. And so with homeschooling, their peer group is their siblings, number one. And I know some people are annoyed at that, but the idea for it is I want them to be friends with their family members which will always be different than they will be with people outside the family. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But I want them to have that experience of, of genuine friendship with their family to the point where they can be obnoxiously, annoyingly themselves, at least in one place. And the only person that's judging them is me. <laughs> Boy, do I am. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to work remotely from home. But that, I mean, so the, like, that stuff really matters. And like the decision of like what church you go to. I agree. Right, that stuff really matters because that's the pasture, right? I remember one time I was so upset. I was talking and I was like, I don't ever want to have to well actually a priest after a homo. And I was finding myself when we have these visiting priests doing this all the time to my kids being, well, they father said blah, blah, blah. Like, well, actually. And so it's not about manipulating. So, so part of this is I have a duty an obligation as a parent to provide the best environment that I can for my kids. But also at the same time, realizing that they have this native strength called freedom that I can very easily go too far and control them. And I don't want to do that either. The reason why I like the pasture or the shepherd versus the engineer is if I had to engineer my kids, I would screw up so terribly. Not me. But the idea, Right, like, don't you feel that way? Like, we w- we would try to replicate ourselves or whatever. D one athlete, um, Gomer. D one athlete. That's what I was. What I'm grooming Noah to be. <laughs> yeah, 
with for Cecilia, I want to retire on Mars, and for Noah, I want to retire on Mars in style. You're a D1 athlete. But when I think about this stuff, I think like that pasture motif is important because the pasture isn't the wild, mm-hmm. and the pasture isn't unprotected. Right? It is my job to protect my kids. It is mediating institutions' job, like the local church, like the schools, if they're good, to protect my kids. But when schools become ginormous warehouses of kids, when you have thousands, not just hundreds, and the principal can't possibly know everyone, even just their face, that's where I get nervous about this, these environments. And honestly, so someone asked in the chat, does this mean academically or, or communally? What, what do we mean by best school possible? And I think that answer is going to be different for different people. Number one, you could go to an amazing public school that doesn't attack the faith. And then supplement with the faith, right? Ding, 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 ding. That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Right. So I don't, and, and I went to public school, private school, and I was homeschooled. <laughs> what? I did, I did all three. What? No. Why did you start, start just, laughing so it's hard? It's just so funny because there was a period of time where that was just so um, normal to hear people talk about this. And then having to, de- to defend homeschooling for the past couple of years at like, whatever places I've been, it's like, oh, that's right. We are by far the exception. Yeah. Yeah. Although since COVID, the number of families that have homeschooled in America since COVID has doubled, which is crazy. Mm, What are your sources on that? No, I, 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 I'm inclined to agree with that, but American homeschooler quarterly, (laughs) (laughs) GK Chesterton's weekly, but, um, (laughs) there's a Jewish book called the wisdom of a bruised knee. Hmm. And the idea of that is it's not the wisdom of a decapitated eight year old. It's the wisdom of a bruised knee, meaning you have to give your little ones increasing doses of freedom so that they know how to deal with it at a little kid level. Like you don't unleash your, your four year old in a park and then go get my ties at the local bar. Right. You, you, but you might increasingly give them more and more freedom. And then to the point where you don't even have to think about them anymore. You don't have to worry about them. I don't worry about three of my four kids when we're out at a park when we're out, I can sit down at a park bench and talk to my and tell tell my kids, "Hey, come back in ten minutes." And I'm not afraid because they know. Like, I mean, they're great. They're great. They're not going to go do stupid, mm-hmm. impulsive stuff. Three out of four mm-hmm. won't do stupid impulsive. <laughs> they won't disappear. As Michael says in the chat, you can bring them my tie with you. But for different people, going back to the school thing, for different people, best school possible is going to mean different things. So for some, it's going to be academically. Because what's causing a child, like kids can get bored in school if they're super gifted. They can get super bored in school. So if your kid's like gifted and talented, GT, whatever they call that, putting them in a school that's more advanced can actually keep them engaged, right? And some kids, they're not going to be intellectually gifted. That doesn't mean they're bad or defective, right? It just means a different track. And so my thing that kills me is, the kind of the standard school system model puts that on people like, well, you got to be an A plus performer. And I'm saying this as a nerd who was an A plus student and, you know, felt terrible if I got a B, you know, like that joke, B attitude, why not A attitude, right? So I, I think about this stuff all the time, but I, I see now like social relationships to my kids as they get older matter just as much, if not more, right? Yes. Than, than, than the purely academic or even, and this might shock some people, I'm going to say this, or even the purely spiritual side. Mm-hmm. No, when kids are in high school, the biggest influence on their life by far is their peers. I stood up at a Steubenville conference to give, to give my life 
over to Christ because I wanted to, but I was not going to do it unless unless I'm a father Dan Hess at the time who was just Dan Hess, unless he got up. And actually, Catching Foxes, all listeners will recall Sean Ader, we had on the podcast a couple of months ago. Oh my gosh, it was like two years ago for about the beacons of a light episode. I think I talked about how I've I known Sean my whole life. Like he was there too. And like I was like, if, if Sean gets up, I will. And honestly, they were the reason why I did it. Cause I, I as particularly on Father Dan, who I just at that time it's had spent more more time around. And Father Dan is still to this day a person that I greatly admire. He's at, um he's based out of the seminary here in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. I cannot, it's just, my heart, I wanted that, but I wasn't going to do it unless they did it, because high school, <laughs> like, I, I just, right, right. I, I wasn't going to make this monumental choice unless they um, unless they uh, did it. And actually, it was there, particularly as I got older, it oh, was Sean, it was their influence that, like, kept me going, and to keep trying. I cannot, I cannot overemphasize the importance of peers in a kid's, in a kid's own life. And for me, it's 100% the family's morals, what they care about, what drives them, what do they value, what do they what do they not value? Because hard work, like hard work and intellect to a certain extent, I think are genetics. And they're like also I think particularly intellect, but hard work can also be modeled, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we try to do. Well and everyone. hard work for what types of work. Exactly. Like there are different exactly. ty- and, and that's the thing that I think we're understanding more and more. Well, let me just add this. Some people are predisposed to just working harder. <laughs> just, yeah. They, you know, they just have crazy. They're like the exact opposite of ADHD. They are my mother and father-in-law. <laughs> Although I, th- oh my, I think my father-in-law has ADHD, but he, they have this, this, this need to always be doing something, mm-hmm. right? Like to always be physically moving. Doing Not this guy. Um, yeah. Darby makes a really good point, and I, w- I want to throw this out. Talks about apparently there's a conversation going on Twitter about children should be more in public. There should be more restaurants, airplanes, stores, et cetera, yep. to better behave and to better socialize. Okay, I, and I, I 100% agree with her because the way we socialize our kids, there's only one way to socialize your kids is by putting them in social circumstances and then afterwards discussing it with them. Like, hey, you were a little too loud. You were a little this and, or, or, or during the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But my problem is, and I don't care what anyone says in rebuttal to this, because everyone's going to have their own threshold, mm-hmm. okay? So you do your own threshold. But when it, kids need to learn how to socialize and they will go crazy because they're still learning. They're untutored in their humanity. But when they sit down, when you're at a restaurant and kids are loud, you know, you being embarrassed and you leaving early and you doing all that stuff, that your kids see that. And that's part of the lesson of learning, like, Oh crap, I just embarrassed my mom or I just embarrassed my dad or whatever. Um, but on top of that, when we give them iPhones and we g- and we we go to restaurants that have 100 TVs, we give them yeah. iPads and we give them headphones. And again, I understand that certain people they have auditory processing issues, so you go to a loud restaurant, they need to put I'm not talking about that. Freaking no, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> people out there that want to yell at me. Yeah. What I'm talking about is we are stunting kids' social formation when we put a blue screen in front of them, because I can tell you this, I have been on an airplane, three hour flight to St. Louis, however long it is. And I have my phone fully charged. Shannon had her phone fully charged. So we were ready that if they went nuclear, we could supplement with, you know, Paw Patrol or whatever the hell it was at that time. But we read books to them and had conversations with them and encouraged them to look out the window and tell me what they saw and all this stuff to the point where an elderly woman came up to me crying. And was like, 
doctor? That was the best. Holy mo that was incredible. You have four kids? That was amazing. And I'm like, because this isn't our first rodeo. Like, have you ever been to the Catholic Mass? <laughs> yeah. It it is it is World War Two for training kids on how it is the D Day of self control, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, you know, I see parents bringing their phones and giving them to kids during mass now. And this isn't old man yelling at clouds. Boy, have I this been tempted. Is... Boy, have I been tempted. <laughs> right. But this is the thing of like, oh, I see how they need to learn that their behavior is out of control because they can't sit still or they can't moderate it or they can't just say, hey, can I get up? And... Like my kids right now, they go, can I get up? My ADHD kids, can I go to the bathroom when we're in the middle of a two-hour mass? That's a typical Sunday mass. And so I'm like, yes, go to the bathroom. Right? Like they know, like they know they need to get up and move. And I'm not going to have them, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sane adult. I'm not going to fight with these people. Yeah. <laughs> They're at the point now where they can almost win. <laughs> Especially if it's no, uh... but I think part of this is like understanding that there are some things that you cannot control. Like yeah. you cannot control certain things. Like there, I, I, I always go back to John Adams. One of his kids, he just didn't under his kids. It's really like super tragic. The son dies relatively young. He engages in speculation, which is basically like the buying and selling of stuff. Not quite Wall Street-esque stuff, but like a weird, shadier version that was building up to that. He parties a little bit. He's you know kind of antagonistic, and it just drove John Adams insane, and it broke his heart. I think it was his son, Charlie. Hmm. It broke his heart, and his son eventually um, dies, and it just... I think they were estranged by the time that he, yeah. he died, and I, I just have to wonder, like, how much of that was just genetics? Like how how often do we say it's it's a demon or it's a or it's like a hey, whatever where it's like it's just genetics? I'm not saying that, yeah. that I'm not trying to downplay um demons or any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I I want to be very clear about that. But I think so much about the like I think a lot about our interview with Dr. Greg Bataro, the over spiritualization of things, where sometimes it's just it's just genetics. The, one of the hardest things about like I think about ADHD, and I have talked about this, was there was stuff which is the most repeated phrase on this podcast, 375 episodes in now. I talked about this. There were things I thought I would get better at eventually, and I wasn't. And I was coming up on 40, and I was like, why this isn't better? There's something wrong. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. Like, why can I not get up? Why do I put things off? Why do I do this? Why is, am I constantly struggling with browsing the internet? Why do I struggle with emotional regulation? Why am I struggling why am I only why why am I only happy if everything is I'm falling apart? Why do I need adrenaline to feel like I'm doing something? And why can't I just sit down in a quiet place and just get to work? Like I mean, particularly in the same spot. Like, do you remember the amount of times I would I would like text you or like a group chat yes, like it me, was so funny. just being like I'm, I know I'm exactly dying. what you're talking I'm about. I'm dying. It's just quiet. Luke is in a room and he just films himself quietly working. And he's like, can you believe this? And I'm like, it seems like you're in a quiet room working. What's wrong with that? And you're like, I'm dying. <laughs> I was literally, I mean, I had to go out. This is why I would go outside. And I, and I didn't even I realize that. But that's like one of the things, like, like just, to, just to be outside for a bit. I really, you, there's like a vitamin D um, a deficiency, I think, that yeah. they, they have a surge. And just, but I, ne I needed to bathe in a city and the hustle and bustle. I needed to be yeah. around that. And it just it immediately was like I would go and work out of a um, coffee shop, and I would I started doing things that were actually strategies, um, trying yeah. to trying to make things new. And now I'm okay with starting a new productivity thing because I need to do that because I will get bored with the, with the old one. And that's just yeah, that's smart. That's yeah. okay. Like that. Like I've had to accept that, and my life is tremendously better be, because of that.
Yeah, and there's a there's a good. It's not really a counterpoint from the chat. She said, "Not sure we hardly went out, and when we did, we expected excellent behavior." Um, however, we had dinner together every night, discussed stuff even when they were littles. I agree with that. Like this is the thing about homeschooling. Like putting it in the context of my family is when my my girls, especially when they were little, little, I worked five minutes with traffic from home, so I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day with my family, and we had. We treated breakfast and lunch like we treated dinner. We sat down at the table. We all ate together, blah, blah, blah. So the type of conversations, the ongoing discussions that we have, like last night I was up till 9.30 with three out of my four kids going through their scripts for Much Ado About Nothing. And uh, actually, this is Midsummer Night's Dream that they're in a Shakespeare play. And we're going through and we're talking about it. I'm trying to teach them how to how to say lines and not just read the lines, you know, and I made one of my kids cry, but that's fine. That was on him, not me. <laughs> oh, yeah, my God. So bad. <laughs> Are you like, never going to be an actor? <laughs> <laughs> Old Marlon Brando Gomi over here. He can talk to like a, a, a Catholic crowd and thinks he's the most engaging person ever. <laughs> I stormed off the set after I flipped over a table. This is the common thing that you hear from homeschooling families that, that have done it for a long time is their kids are equipped to talk with adults. More. Yes, or, or, or better they handle adult conversations better and it's because as parents like i just kind of you get forced in this mode of like well i'm not going to baby my kids i'm going to talk to my kids and i love talking to my kids and being like kateri when you're with yeah. <laughs> with but, feeling noah with feeling can i just interject oh, up something yeah, really, really quicker i think that's it's a there's a i do not think that homeschooling is the cause of that i think there's a correlation there because and why I why I bring that up is that you are right in the sense that like homeschooling causes you to have to talk with your kids a bunch, so you eventually just talk. But I think it's very easy for someone to do that if your kid goes to a public school. The problem is is the compartmentalization that oh, happens yeah, a lot there. So point. I would rather pull Everly out of an extracurricular activity. I'm fine with her being at a school for up six hours a day, depending upon the the school. It's the other activities. That I really want to like. I want her. I, I like. Do you know what I really wish? Like, I have tons of friends whose dads took them to bars when they were kids. They they would go. It sounds crazy, but like actually, like, this is kind of awesome. They would go to the bar with their dad. Their, their dad would have a drink. I don't think they were alcoholics. <laughs> um, like my one buddy. <laughs> Although now, yeah, like <laughs> my one buddy's dad would give him like a or the guys at the bar would give him a couple quarters to go play at the arcade, and like they talk about it, it was such fond memories, and. You're around. That was the Knights of Columbus Hall. You're around. A, okay, sorry, sorry. Keep like you mean like you're around. I want to put her in situations where she's around adults, where she has to learn how to do that stuff. Yeah, and it's important. It's important mm-hmm. not to talk about your favorite guy, but Jordan Peterson has this great line where he says, "We're always socializing each other all the time." Imagine if you walked into a theater. And he's like, "I'm a humanist." And the person in front of you, <laughs> the person in front of you kneels down backwards instead of facing the stage, faces you, and just stares at you the whole time. It's like we don't think about that level of misbehavior, mm-hmm. misalignment socially. And the idea is, and when we see it, we know that something's wrong. Either that person is mentally off or the situation might be getting out of control or someone's being funny and I don't get the joke, right? But I, I desperately, desperately love my kids' unique personality. And I see myself and my wife in all four of my kids, but the mixture I could never have guessed. Mm-hmm. I could never have guessed and to think that we have the arrogance of engineering 
uh, their personality. Now, I, I'll tell you, like, there are a handful of things that I do that I think are absolute requirements for my kids. Like, we try our very best to have family dinner. So tonight, every single night, there is something going on in our lives. So tomorrow, Noah has football practice at 5.30, and then Thomas and Cecilia have a football game at 6.30. Or Thomas has Could you imagine if you had to coordinate all this? Thank God for Shannon. Sorry. Come oh, on. my goodness. Wow. Oh, my wow. goodness. If it's not in the phone, goodbye, ladies. So on on Thursday, on Friday and Saturday, we have a huge conference, the Fullness of Truth Conference, coming to my parish. And I just found out a couple of days ago that I'm the MC. And I mean, I knew I was talking at it, but I'm giving one talk on a Saturday. So what? Okay, I'll do that. You know, now I'm doing this. And I heard that maybe I was going to do that, but no one ever said it. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. On, you know, today my kids were out at, my girls were out on American Heritage Girls. So my wife took my son so they could go run around. But so what we did was dinner started at 4.30 or dinner started at 5 or dinner started at 6.30. Mm-hmm. We had to move it around because that's a priority. So I say this because I purposely drive a lot of things. My kids have reading time. I want all of my kids to be as much as they possibly can readers. And what I've found is I have to spend hundreds of dollars of buying the types of books they want to read. But if one of their friends are readers, that's their, their readers. Like they will sit down and read. They, the girls have sleepovers. Mm-hmm. They read. They do all this stuff. It's just like what you were talking about at the Sumo conference. Like I'm not doing this alone. I need at least one other yeah. person to be here with I'm me. I'm not gonna be. Hey, I'm a youth group. That, I'm a nerd. Jokes on you. I will be. <laughs> I'm really yeah. into Christian rock now. Can I make a comment about the reading thing? Yeah, I think it's super, like that's such a good point. There, there was a study that was done. I think it's in the book Freakonomics, which I know gets a bad rap for certain things, but oh whatever. It talked about how there's a clear correlation between people of high in intelligence and how many books they have in their house or in the living room. Yeah, access. Yeah, to, the, yeah, but it doesn't mean that the books are causing the intelligence. It could be that because they're intelligent, they have more books. Yep. And so there was actually was this big push to like just to get tons of books into kids' homes to help with their intelligence. And and there was some help with that, but I can't remember what the result of that study was. But the, the idea is that like it's a little bit hard to tell because it's like, is it – I think the point of the study in Freakonomics was to show it's really a lot of this is just in your genes. Yeah. And, and if you have parents who are intelligent, who like to read, or if you're, you're going to be predisposed to reading more, doesn't mean that that's a, like you have to, but then again, access to the books, right? Having that being modeled for you, all sorts of things that like some people just, and just because you're intelligent might also not mean that you have, a, that you want to read. You could be very intelligent and also have a thing like an undiagnosed dyslexia or something, or even ADHD or other things that can make um, reading kind of hard actually. And, yeah. and so it's like this genetics part is so important. And I think. The challenge, and this is so easy for me to say because I only have a two and a half, a two and a half year old. <laughs> no, but I think a lot about like her future, right, and what that's going to be like, and what that's going to look like, and what, and what I, and what I want for for her. And I, when I heard Doctor Barkley talk about those, like over four hundred neurological personality, yeah, thing, I was okay. like, I'm like, I'm so excited to see that in her, in her. And there's such a part of me that like really wants to. Like give her so much space to discover the things that she that like she likes, but it sure as shit doesn't mean that the pastor is just gonna be like wide open and just you know do whatever. Like I'm like her ass will be at the symphony once a month with me at the very least <laughs> because I love it. And then two, 
I want like I want her to be exposed to beautiful things. I took her to the art to the art museum a couple of weeks ago. I, she could pay attention for maybe three seconds, and it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible to see her, and particularly in front of one picture of Mary that I did not know was at the Dayton Art Institute. And I was just like, whoa. She was engaged. I'll actually I'm send you the unpicture, but she was totally down for about three seconds <laughs> or, or, or so, and then she was done. And I was like, and I, at the very least, I want her to see that it's important to me and that this stuff is good because she will look back on that, particularly when she's in high school. The dad plays a huge role. And I think the people are, I'm talking about in the chat, all the, all of the, all of the different things that, that their parents did, like that is so important, but we have to remember there is a genetic predisposition that like, I mean, everyone thought I was going to be my parents on basement my entire life. <laughs> well, like, especially when I, I was younger and like a lot of it, I'm like, did anyone not take the time to think this is kind of weird. And I, I, I feel bad for my mom because, like, how many people put that on her? How many people thought she was just being a bad parent? Because, like, um, once again, here's Luke with all of this in, intelligence cannot seem to turn his work in on time. And I remember one point in time, my mom told me, like, when I was doing my, my ADHD diagnosis, I needed to give, I think, her and Emily. I had to have, her, had to, um, have my mom and, and my sister Emily complete like a one page. Like here's a bunch of questions about Luke and about like me growing up and particularly my mom when I was a kid. And some of her responses, she was just like, oh, I feel so bad. I'm like, mom, this is not your fault. Like, not, like all this stuff here, like you, this is not your fault in the slightest. This is not your fault at all. And there's one story she said where her and my dad went to a parent-teacher conference, and they opened up my locker, and it was just like a mess, right? Like old milk cartons kind of thing. Yeah. And like- I remember this story. I guess my dad cried because they were just like, what is going on? Now, keep in mind, Gray Carey, super, super emotional. <laughs> so, but I think- <laughs> Genetics. Yeah, I think, but I think there, there was this like, because like my dad was actually like a huge neat freak. As like, you know, like my dad comes from a strong German Catholic family, even though carries the last name, like my grandmother, my paternal grandmother's last name is Reuter. She can guess what that house was, was like. <laughs> and so it was like a news agent. Yeah. Very stern. Very like, you know, everything is perfect. Um, and I, I remember like when I was on, um, honestly, this is how I knew that like I wasn't dumb. Honestly, God, this is how I knew growing up that like I wasn't dumb was my grandmother on a Tuesday night. My dad had a prayer group on a meeting, and my mom had some school stuff. So my grandmother was my dad's mom. She was in town, so she had to watch me. So she had to, I mean, she, she watched me that night, and I had a spelling test. We had, we had vocabulary that week, and I want to say this was Tuesday. The vocabulary test was on Friday. On Wednesday, you did this spelling bee. So I told her that, and I was always okay kind of being like average in the spelling bee. And so... My grandmother made me like she spent all night going over these words until I until I knew them. And it took hours. I'm talking hours. We worked on this. And the very next day, I was one of the last people like I almost won. And I remember being like, oh, guess who's not very dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But like it for me, it was like, oh, I'm not going to sit here and just like teach myself the spelling stuff. And my poor mom has to like take care of, you know. Other kids has other things going on. My dad, you know, has stuff going on. Like they can't like spend six hours with me. I think my, I mean, my, my grandmother probably spent three hours straight with me doing, doing that. Like that's what it took. And it was such an encouraging on the thing for me to be, okay, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. Like 
and it was just I'm not dumb. But then it became I'm not dumb. I'm just lazy, which wasn't true. And that stuck with me until probably about three or four years ago. It was like, I'm just, I'm lazy. It's a thing that I've got to like, you know, beat out of myself. I've got to fix this. And it's like, but I couldn't understand why certain things I could do so well at and other stuff I just, and that's the genetic predisposition that I had to learn to be okay with that. It's the same, like in I'm sixth grade, I can recall we had, we did this thing. Did you have this in the school that you went to where you said today I had some quiz thing? For like all kids who were in like sixth grade, your your class would still up in teams and you would compete like all all quarter long yeah. every Friday. Uh, uh, no, didn't have that. So I love that. Sounds like a communist plot from Ohio. <laughs> well, because we got you had every day in class we watched like two minutes of headline news on ESPN to see what was going on in the world, and then I think every week we read USA Today for like a half hour. Which I loved because I was like life section, <laughs> <laughs> but like I just I, I I think the competitive part like for me really spoke to me, and I remember being shocked at how much I knew about entertainment and pop culture. <laughs> I would like dominate that whole section. <laughs> but like okay, going back to that though, that was my interest. But my mom encouraged that too. Like she allowed, like she like she would be like, let's go see Wayne's World, but we're not going to see. Terminator 2, there was her line. That's so funny. This is what's so funny about that. I saw Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 with my mom. <laughs> like, that's like, that's the thing that's so funny about my family is <laughs> my mom would never have taken me to go see Wayne's World, but murder, death, all of that. <laughs> I saw every blood sport. Like, oh my gosh, I must have seen that a hundred times. Oh, this is great. Oh, whoa, look at that. Oh, I bet kicked to the face. His head chopped off. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my mom, I remember when she saw Terminator 2 in the theaters, she came back telling us, and then the liquid metal guy put his arm out, and it became a knife, and went right through the guy's head. <laughs> like, holy crap, I gotta see this movie. Then I saw it, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> She had that Philadelphia street edge to her, so that was nothing. It's like, I saw Rocky in real person. <laughs> you think a little liquid metal <laughs> Terminator is gonna stop me? I'm from Philly. I'm, I'm from Philly. We, our food is pretzels pulled off the dirty streets you think that's gonna stop me you think a little apocalypse oh you robot nah. and that is why i let the kids watch the dark night you damn right <laughs> i mean and i messed them you up you really did they oh my god my kids walk by and every time they see a pencil they were like daddy made the pencil disappear he made the pencil disappear I, okay so <laughs> and they just start shitting themselves <laughs> <laughs> so okay i want to tell you two two quick things one was do you remember in in uh, wayne's world the scene where he's got the cards and he's like interviewing the sponsor of the show and wayne like writes jokes on the backs of the of of, of the card and the way he writes this man blows goats i have proof i remember the <laughs> it's so funny i remember the movie theater cracking up and my mom like Patty has this like shocked laugh where she like can't like she like Uh it's that like she's trying to be a responsible parent at the same time and laugh and she's like horrified by it but she also like knows it's funny because she's a normal I'm human being and and, like it's it's just this thing where you can just tell like she's trying to hide that she finds a thing that's dirty to be funny but like I was like I don't get it she just goes don't worry about it (laughs) she's like nope I'm not gonna explain it nope 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 for Everly I I've noticed like she loves she loves movies. She loves oh movies, so it's great. 
And she knows songs by the Counting Crows now, too, which is awesome. But I'm like hiding a Mufasa's death from her because, you know, that's a bit much. And then even for me. And then she's real into dying. Luke needs to process something. <laughs> Bring I, I cried about that in the movie theater when I was 10. To this day, my um sister still makes still make fun of me. Yeah, no, Bambi really hurt me, Darby, badly. So huh. Everly's real into dinosaurs. I just bought her a stuffed okay. dinosaur. When can I start showing her scenes from Jurassic Park? Okay, so I'm going to break your heart. I was so excited to show Jurassic Park to my kids. Don't do this to me. And they were bored with it. That's ridiculous. I hate them. That's right. You need a bigger screen. You need to take them. I have a 75. Yeah, but it's, it's 4K. One two hundred and forty hertz. I spent well over a grand on my television. Was, it, don't tell was my that wife. in the past? Don't tell my wife. Don't tell my <laughs> was wife. Was that in the past year? I'm yes. so proud of you. That's awesome. I, I was thinking of your old um, TV, awesome. your old house that was above the fireplace. Look at no, you. no, no, no. That's in the garage. <laughs> Look at you. That's in the garage. Daddy Gorman. When I move, <laughs> listen. If Shannon's gonna make me move, Daddy has to. You know, I gotta rack up something with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I. I Patreon.com slash CEO. Oh, don't worry. I'm just, yeah. They were underwhelmed by it. That would break my heart. Yeah. Underwhelmed. And I was like, he's a, the T Rex scene is coming up. So I shut off all the lights. He's stuff. about to eat the kids. And they, they liked that. Like, that scene, like, kept them in their seats. But the plot, they, they were just too dumb to follow the plot. My kids. They're like, Daddy, I want to read a book instead. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the book called Jurassic Park, written by Michael Crichton. Get going. <laughs> I read that book, like, I think I read that book when I was in like fourth or fifth grade. That's all awesome. that crazy. So I respect, yeah, I think I, respect the I think I could show her the dinosaur. Like when she when he they. What about the land before time? I, it, it'll break asking. my heart. It'll break my heart. Oh, I've never seen. It, so I don't know. I just remember like that and an American Tale. Like like I remember just having such emotional issues because of those two films. Can tell you anything about the plots of them? Yeah, don't see the good dinosaur. That's a terrible movie. So that's just not a good. Movie. But the Apple TV. Do you have Apple TV? Like a physical Apple TV box? Yes, of course. I'm not a monster. Okay. Do you get Ted Lasso on that? Yes. I, uh, okay. Your boy so, was on a podcast about that with with uh, Mike Tenney. I'm going to actually put it on, on our feed relatively soon. Okay. Well, <laughs> there. Uh, that was great. Anywho, moving along, there <laughs> is Listen a, to my other podcast, everyone. I'm talking about Every New Shop Bow 40 times a day, but you know. I just recorded an episode of Every New Shop. I'm really proud of it. No, but there's, an, uh, there's a fake well, there's a documentary on dinosaurs that Apple paid for. Ooh. And it is incredible. And so my son Thomas, he had gotten in trouble, but last Sunday was his first communion. And so I was like, okay, I'll relinquish the ban on television so that we can all do Gormley Family Movie Night. Because it's his first communion, I let him pick the movie. And the movie that I was like, dude, I think you'll like this dinosaur thing. So we found it, and it's awesome. Like it is, it looks like, it looks like the dinosaurs are real, and it's one of those like, animal planet or planet earth what, what is it called you know those documentaries earth, that are gorgeous earth yeah the earth, earth blue planet i don't know but it looks like this incredible totally realistic like here they are in their natural habitat but the funny thing was the video that they chose was about it was like called the coast and it was the dinosaurs that live on the coast and the first thing is a t-rex swimming with the mother t-rex with the baby t-rex and they're swimming to a chain of islands and I didn't know the T-Rexes could swim. Apparently, they're amazing swimmers. So they're swimming, and then a giant dinosaur comes up and eats the baby, the smallest baby. And they're like, no, he's supposed to get away. And it eats it, and that's like the first dinosaur that dies. And they're like, what? What? And I'm like, guys, guys, guys. <laughs> it's fine. Just keep watching. 
How how old are your kids this. again? Uh, 12, 11, 9, 7. Okay, so so the seven year old and the and the the eleven year old are simpatico in their emotional devastation when animals die. Yeah. So I'm like, oh dear, what's gonna? Happen? <laughs> oh, but because it has this feel of a nature doc, I could stop it, but you know, pencil in the head and whatnot, and Rachel Dawson dying. Yeah, I, I could stop it, and but v- honey, could you make some more popcorn, please? Very dark and <laughs> ambiguous ending. <laughs> So we kept going, and more baby animals kept dying. <laughs> but the next episode was like these pterodactyl-looking things that have to fly, and all of them die except one. All of them get picked out of the sky by other animals, other flying creatures, flying dinosaurs. And one makes it, and they're like, nah, okay, that's worth it. By the time it was at the end, they were like cold and calculating human beings, <laughs> which is what I wanted. Okay, so <laughs> don't show Everly any dinosaur things yet. Yeah, no, no, you, you maybe not. Yeah, yeah that's maybe fair. Not. It's fair. Can I tell you a quick story that I can I ask you a very I'm serious a very serious question? Yes. As Christians, if the past if like if there's so much that are dependent upon genetics, but then you take the importance of the pasture and where the environment that people are in, how much of an obligation do we have to make sure that we ha- build up societies that kids have good good environments to grow up in because I think the typical American response is that it is solely the responsibility of the parent to provide said things. Yeah, and that's dumb. That's that's modern American individualism. That's so dumb. Like, it does take a village, and it does take a family, and they used to be roughly the same thing. I mean, like, the, the de-emphasis on community is such a non-Catholic society. In, in, democracy in, in Democracy in America by Alexei Stokes. Heard of him? His whole point of why, or one of his whole points, of why democracy succeeds in America where it fails in France, one of the major reasons is because we had mediating institutions between the individual and the government. They were things like schools and community groups, fraternal societies, and churches, and blah, 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 and they were thriving to the point where you weren't a part of a community unless you were part of these things, because that's what it meant. It's like you go to a parish church. People say, yes, this parish, in a survey, this parish church is a home away from home. And then almost 50% said, no, this parish church is not like a home away from home. And I said, I guarantee you, if you ask those people said it's like a home away from home, they're involved in a ministry, right? Being involved is the best way to be a part. Contributing is the best way to belong. We think we can have the one without the other, and you can't. And the problem in our culture is we selectively, based on capitalistic principles of uh, a participation. I'm going to buy my kids access to this baseball team, this club, this sport, this after-school activity. Right? We do this thing where we don't think of it as I'm investing in a community. We think of it as a, a consumer choice. And this is what I said to you when we you took me to that amazing bar, um, weird as hell in Cincinnati when I first visited you, and you were like, dude, they got all all the tables are like park or, or like benches oh, yeah. that are all we were together. At Ryan guys were at Battery. I think it was Ryan guys. Yeah, and so you had to sit next to strangers because mm-hmm. the place was always packed. Love it. And it's like, yeah, you end up having com- and we did. We had a couple, you know, conversations with people. Most people bring big groups, and I was like, but it's funny to me that it's a consumer choice that conditions my response to my neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm choosing to go to a bar. I can leave at any time. I will forget this person. I don't rem- I don't even remember the name of the bar, right? So I say all this because investing in our community. This is the pasture to return our conversation to where it started. This is the pasture. And if we're ignoring the pasture, like it's my job to make sure that pasture is green and verdant 
and the the edges are um are protected like that's my job and so i think of my buddy brian's kids who came to pick up his daughter tonight which is why we had to split up the show um i think of their kids like my nieces and well yeah and now nephew they just had a boy 11 pounds four ounces all natural um i think of their kids i absolutely do think of their kids and so does my dog so if my dog won't attack you like he does everyone else then you know you're a part of the family and this notion of like like you luke like i don't think of you as a friend from college mm-hmm. right like i don't like of course when i'm telling people like who you are that's what you are but you and john and adam and chris and all these people from my life like you're not oh these friends i knew way back when you are as much a part of my life and thank god for technology that we can sustain these conversations yeah. and sustain this community and thank god for Nate Brigetsky, who hopefully we'll all see him live <laughs> together. But uh because gross. But right, right. But this is the idea, right? Like, no, we don't invest in. And it is our responsibility to invest in. It's just harder to tell where our social responsibility ends and our individual response familistic ones kind of It is. You know. And I think it's super easy to go to like two extremes. You know, I think I th- I think Amy has a really good point here in the chat. Uh I blame Anne Ran and um and communists. I'm like, oh, probably not wrong. <laughs> Like this idea that it's either like, no, the family doesn't matter at all, or like the individual is a servant of the state as opposed, or yeah, Yeah. no, the, the individual and his or her family is all that matters. Yeah. And which is where I disagree with Jordan Peterson, right? Jordan Peterson is a, is a radical individualist. And I don't think you can be and simultaneously be a Roman Catholic in, in certain, in, in many ways. Yeah, and and there are th- like this is where I you know I think this we need to think long and hard about this when we're voting for school levies when we're voting for or taxes all that stuff like what kind of a, but I mean I'm not saying you should approve every school um, levy but you shouldn't mm-hmm. be ardently opposed to school levies on principles on 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 principle because like it's bedrock of democracy but whatever um is it the bedrock of democracy is me funding public and schools? educated public I would say not public schools and educated not, public not public yeah. schools in and of themselves but like I mean, I'm willing to go down this hole if, you know, you want to. Not tonight. Yeah. Not tonight, but we should. It'll <laughs> no, be because no, I will fight. Because, I mean, like, yeah. So it, it does lead to some very interesting things. Okay, then what responsibility do I have What to create? What pastor do I think I sh- I'm responsible for creating for my, for my own family and for others? So for me, yeah. I'm thinking very hard about there's a part in Dayton that I want to buy a house in called um, South Park. That's where I want to raise Everly. You know, is because I think it's the most unwalkable place in the city of Dayton, and I'm like, that's what I want. And it's a little bit scary because it's not the best part of town, but it's better than where we were out in Cincinnati. But it's not as nice as Oakwood. But the houses are gorgeous, and it's relatively, you know, like so. Much, like what I'm trying to balance all all of that yeah. stuff out because I want her to feel like I just can't tell you how much happier I am when I walk around a place like that because like my pastures, I need beauty. I I just need to be around beautiful things where I go crazy. And I know that you've got to go. So I just want to add this one thing too. I, I really think as a church, we need to think long and hard about like 400 of your personality traits are predecided for you. And when we're judging people and when we judge ourselves particularly, or when we judge our friends or like family members, like there's probably a lot of stuff that we blame as being just a flaw in someone's character. That's just that's just like genetics. genetics. Now we can talk about where does 
their response, you know, I mean, like those are all good conversations to have. But I think to act like we are all 100% in control of everything that we do, it's just, I don't think it's true. There's a lot to chew on here. And I think it's a thing that I wouldn't mind coming back to at some point in time. No, I think it's important. I do. I do. I'm glad you sent me that. that. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It's, I, th- I think it's, it's, this is worth coming back to. So, yeah. All right, everyone. This has been Catching Foxes. Come over to the Patreon last few weeks to get some cool stuff before we make a bigger push. The last day I work is May 8th. 17 years. So hopefully me and you can record on that day. That'd be fun. That night. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. And I want to get, let's see if we can get the biggest. I'm going to double check my calendar to make sure I can't overpromise and underdeliver. But <laughs> make sure we, we get the biggest audience we can for that day for our Patreon support. I think that's And everyone, awesome. Gilmer will then be there, then bow out about an hour and a half afterwards because he'll feel bad about something. And then I'll get an early plane ticket home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all have a good night. Bye. They don't get that crap. They're like, what's an orgy, daddy? And I was like, well, it's not quite a mop. It's not quite a bucket. But man, to answer a question, I don't know. Um, what do you- <laughs>